Hi, I'm Katerina and this is Sound Effects, a new music and mental health podcast. Yes, Pilgrim, they have lips that they're supposed to pray with. Oh then, dear saint, let lips do what hands do. They pray, grant thou, lest faith turn to despair. I'm praying for you to kiss me. (laughs) It's used a lot in Romeo and Juliet and that's kind of where it came from. Today's episode is about grief, loss, depression, animal symbolism and the power of music to heal, tell a story and to make a difference to the world. I'll be speaking to Cat and Rob from the band Pilgrims. literally just been listening to your two albums. I was thinking about the influences because at moments I was hearing Mazzy Star, at moments I was hearing Marilyn Manson, at moments I was hearing David <laughs> Bowie, so there's a real crossover. I, I find it really intriguing the, the particular sounds that you use and the combination of your voices. Um, yes. And as I was listening a little bit more lyrically and reading up about you a bit more, understanding the ethos underneath underneath the content. So I know obviously from knowing you and reading your posts also that you're very into animal animal rights and yeah. veganism and that comes through in music as well. Yeah. <laughs> There seems to be a sort of storytelling element to what I what I'm gauging from the songs. It's like I can hear stories being told in this almost fairy tale like manner. I don't know if that's how you intended it to be, but that's how I'm hearing it. pieces of prose that I'd written on my, my blog yeah. and her focus on WordPress. Um, <laughs> I've read some. So it comes through, tran- you know, it's maybe tran- transposes into a more kind of storybook 
quality instead of like a, a song per se, you know? Yeah. Does that make sense? It, it makes a lot of sense, and from that, I'm I'm reminded a little bit of Patty Smith because she seemed to speak over music with with poetry, and there's that. Quote. I mean, I know it's not quite the same, but like, well, <laughs> she she has one of my my absolute heroines, if you like. Uh, to quote her, she has blessed them all women. She's just an amazing person mm. as a writer, as a a, a woman, a mother. A, performer, everything, just a poet, she's, she's probably the last bastion of like a proper punk, you know, she is, you know, she doesn't want to be, she doesn't believe in labels, she doesn't, you know, she doesn't want to be a clone or a drone or she wants to just be herself and mm-hmm. if that means, you know, uh, being controversial then, yeah, so yeah. she's kind of like influenced me a lot as well and just, just, just say what you, say what you mean and mean what you say kind of thing. That definitely comes across. I, I hear um, there's a lot of yourself in the music. That's what I hear. There's a lot of passion there and of what you believe in. And it's so interesting because I kind of want to talk about like how you both came to be together because I know you both were in separate bands previously. So obviously I knew you, Kat, from Little Buddha and then I read that you, Robert, you were in Paranoid Monkeys. Is that yes. quite correct? Yeah. So I wonder whether you might describe a little bit about your previous experiences musically in those bands, and then how that came, how it came to be that you two met and and developed Pilgrims. Like you say, we're both in different bands, doing our thing, touring around. We shared stages together, and what happened was my band split up after about five years, maybe a little bit longer, years took a little bit longer to uh, call a day. Mm. But um, I think what was happening was that Kat wasn't exactly happy in, in her personal relationship. In her personal re- mm. But even in that band as well, you yeah. know, it was a little mm. bit sort of stifled and it was being controlled creatively. Mm. So we started getting to know each other a bit more personally mm. and you know, we, we came together as a couple and then there was like a a period of time where you just took a hiatus from music, you know, yeah. she, she was kind of like disillusioned by it all and, you know. Yeah, I didn't, I felt for a while, I don't really want to sing again, I don't want to perform again, I just want to just focus on photography and maybe just write other stuff, you know, yeah. write a book or You're something. Doing a lot of <laughs> yeah, I was, yeah, I find it quite cathartic writing and, and never ever thought, it's the last thing on my mind actually, to maybe form a new band, you know, write with someone else and just, but yeah, we, that's what we did too. <laughs> yeah, so eventually we started writing and we started looking at, well, we, we knew we wanted to do a concept album with the animal theme throughout, but like telling stories about our lives at the same time and about our love, you know, obviously, you know, it was new love, so we just wanted to shout it from the rooftops, you know, that kind of thing. It took a little bit of time, but um, once we got going, that was it, really. Yeah, but the first song we wrote together is uh, track number three, I think, on Wilderness. It's called uh, Behold the Watcher, and it was, it's kind of what kicked off the whole concept of writing about animals that have been sort of totemic in a relationship and can you talk a bit more about that perhaps later but basically we both kind of would well, our relationship was really new and we both kind of had the same dream about a fox um so we kind of thought oh this is a little bit strange and uh, i came home one day to where i was staying previous to where i am now and found a fox on my doorstep vixen and she's absolutely beautiful and I thought oh this could be a sign <laughs> You know, because I do kind of believe a lot in um, nature and um, everything as a soul. And I don't necessarily think, you know, you're given signs as such, but, um, you know, to navigate your life by or whatever. I don't, but I just thought, oh, this is lovely. So I thought, 
I'm going to take something from this. So we decided to write. I kind of wrote a little poem about it. <laughs> and then Robert put it to music and it kind of typifies you know, how writing proceeds. What was the dream that you both shared about the fox? We were in the woods, in a forest. I think, uh, you know, you're a psychotherapist, you maybe analyse this, because I kind of did. I studied psychology as well, and I, I kind of, kind of analysed it a little. Um, we, were in, we were in a forest, we were both in a dark forest, tall pines of this cathedral-like, and we were having a picnic. It was a very sensual picnic, and we were feeding each other these strange berries. And in the song I called them bloodberries, but I don't even know if such a fruit exists. <laughs> but they were just like, when you bit into them, it was like blood on the lips, and it's obviously symbolic of lust, perhaps, or some kind of sacrifice. I don't know. But um, we, we were feeding each other these, and this fox appeared, uh, and was watching from a distance. And uh, I've been reading a lot about archetypes, and the fox is meant to be wily and sly, and we just took it to mean perhaps external forces that you know were trying to break us up, jealous exes and things like that. You know, so <laughs> we kind of took from that and just wrote a song about it. Yeah. It's such vivid imagery as well with the colour. That's something I noticed in your photography that mm-hmm. you bring out a mixture of different senses when you sort of taste colour, and it's almost like you can actually touch your pictures. Sometimes when I'm looking at them, it's like. Yeah. I can actually feel them. And yeah. when you're describing your um, this dream, I, I have that same sense that the the idea of bloodberry, the biting it, it's almost like I can feel the That's bite it. into the berry and the burst of the blood. And yeah. it, that's incredible that you had the same dream. You, very similar. Was... I mean, there were little nuances of difference, but yeah. essentially it was very similar in its symbolism, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so the... Yeah, we wrote a song about it. Yeah, I think we're we're spending a lot of time together and sharing ideas a lot, you know, Mm -hmm. and I think obviously our subconscious is, you know, as we're dreaming, you know, we've been going over all the events of the previous week or the time we spent together and, you know, because of that we've had this kind of shared dream, you know, Mm -hmm. in the subconscious realm. Yes, I mean it is great. It's strange. It's fascinating. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean that was the that was the catalyst for. Yeah, that was the catalyst for wilderness. Let's let's do more of this. You know, and there was other little things as well. You know, like uh, the song Tibor by taking a a visit to uh, Edinburgh Zoo, and I was miserably unhappy at the time in personal relationship and just the way my life was going at the moment I just felt like I thought how on earth I managed to trap myself in this cage you know so I wasn't feeling that great and um, I spent a lot of time with the big cats 
and in particular the keeper with the Siberian tigers. My brother, I was with my brother, he was photographing some of the uh, the, the wildlife there for, you know, for Edinburgh Zoo, I think. I think it was for them anyway. Because he's a wildlife and nature photographer, so went with him. And the, he kind of left me alone with the tigers. <laughs> um, sort of in, a, in an area that general public just don't generally get into, but obviously from a safe and respectful distance. And there's this beautiful young male, he's 18 months old, Tibor his name was, and he had one eye, he had this and I, um, I was told it was through a mating accident, but hey. <laughs> and it, we kind of like had a moment um, doing the whole chuffing thing with them and asked the keeper if I could feed him and he said no, <laughs> um, because he, he might pull you through the bars, because the bars were just, you know, I mean they weren't, it was just crazy how close I was to this amazing animal and uh, we just kind of just kind of had a moment I was sitting on the floor stinking off tiger piss and pheromones and um, he started he was pacing back and forth for a bit um, and then he sort of just lay down and looked at me gave me this look like you girl you can get out of your cage I can't you go go be happy just at this moment it just it was really really strange if I have to write about that so <laughs> You could tear me apart With one touch or slide Do you about that is the symbolism that you're describing. There's another episode I did inside a psychiatric hospital with a music therapist and he's described a very similar process of being at one of his darkest moments sitting in a park on a bench and he describes a fox that appeared and he describes watching this fox scrambling to survive mm. and he had this feeling of this fox is desperately trying to live and the fox looked at him and there was a sense of you have a, a life it's mm. so strikingly similar to mm. what you're describing when you listen to the words of the uh, t-bar yeah. because it's like a duet i'm thinking about my part my experience meeting the tiger and robert's the voice of the tiger so yeah now that you kind of know the meaning if you listen to that track again with your hands in the fire I knew we had something Oh, we are Oh
saw a post from you about a robin and you were talking about the two year anniversary of your yeah, anniversary that, that was, um, that was on it was on Tuesday. Tuesday was the anniversary of my mum's oh, death and because I was working on the Tuesday I couldn't go and not and celebrate if you like, um, or remember. Or, so Robert and I took a drive up to the cemetery where my dad and the brother I never knew were buried. Um, and that's where incidentally we scattered my mum's ashes. So we sat there and the, the funny thing is, we were just sitting by my dad's grave, just sitting on a cup of coffee and chatting to him, you know, as if he was still there. And Robert said, oh, look, there's a, look, there's a Robin. And I looked and I thought, oh, wait a minute, that's a bit odd. It's a little bit odd that because uh, there's a picture I was talking about Mom. Oh, and she's yeah. holding a robin. Oh. Yeah, wild robin in her hand. She hadn't been well, she'd actually been suffering from real uh, depression. And that was my brother that took that picture. He took it away for a walk specifically to meet this robin because he goes to this specific place all the time to take photographs. Beautiful scenic spot in Fife. And uh, he took her with him and the robin appeared and one took some food from my mum's hand. So it kind of made her... It made her feel good. It made her feel a whole lot better. You know, it really helps her through depression, just, you know, connecting to nature, I guess. And, um, but yeah, I think, I think it does. Yeah, so yeah, I, I found that a little bit odd that this little robin came, sat on my dad's headstone and then came quite close to the same. Yeah, I mean, you were chucking bits of muffin at it. Yeah, I was chucking muffin, it was safe, a bit of falafel. <laughs> so I needed a little salad, you know, and had a little picnic and I was like, oh, I wonder if it'll eat that. Yeah. But yeah, it's the nice. I, I don't really go for that type of thing, you know, like I, I don't believe in the afterlife or those sort of things, but that kind of spooked me a little bit, you know, mm. kind of rocked my scepticism a little bit there. <laughs> I thought it was a really special moment, you know, mm. like, you know, because, I mean, it hit me first, to be honest, seeing the robin and immediately started to think about that picture, you know, yeah. and how much of a coincidence that is yeah. at that precise moment we were sitting down. Yeah. This, this um, robin came and sat, actually sat on Cat's dad's grave. You know, yeah. on the on the gravestone, it was spooky. Yeah. yeah, and it's weird because that's the photograph that we used in the remembrance booklets for my mum's funeral. Mm. Yeah. So it was almost like you know a wee sign. A little. I don't know if I believe in that. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? But I just thought it was it was a nice gift. It was a beautiful moment. Yeah. So and it, 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 it carries on that kind of symbolism that we yeah. have, you know, through all these animals that kind of meant something as we're, mm. you know. Mm-hmm. Go through our relationship together. You know. Yeah, it's just another example of that it's a really special moment. Yeah, we've had a, we've had a few kind of tender moments with animals that have that we've written about or just can't seem to explain. You know, on the new album Tundra, I wrote a song called Velvet Antlers because the day my mum lost consciousness and the hospital she was in, I was driving up there at five in the morning because I got a phone call. You better come in. You know, she has hours left, kind of thing. And when I drove up to the boat. It was early in the morning, 5 a.m. It was summer like this. It was in the countryside, a beautiful part of the countryside. Um, and there was a white fallow deer with uh, antlers skipping in front of the house. There was a lot of wildlife around that area. I've never seen a deer the whole time. I just thought to myself, then she's she's away, you know, that's kind of her. And she's, she's going on. Yeah. But she never regained consciousness. She, she passed away at 8 p.m. that same night. But I uh, found it comforting, you know, I thought it was a nice. Sort of belief systems and there's a lot of animals in their beliefs and their uh, in their 
rites and rituals and everything, you know, they, they, they hold them in great esteem. Eagles, deer, bear, wolves, all iconic, totemic again. So I, I don't know, I just find the deer to be her maybe coming to take her, you know. I don't know, that's how I felt anyway at the time where I wrote Velvet Antlers. Same with the other song on Tundra that's clearly about my mum, is uh, Mama Bear. And uh, again, it was a dream, Katie, I had, I was telling Robert about it and we started writing the song because I dreamt I I don't know if I was dreaming or if awake, it was that kind of like hypnagogic state, it was just kind of like, in, I have no idea whether it was dream or, obviously it wasn't real, but it felt real, you know, I could actually feel the weight of something on the bed beside me, and it, but anyway, it was a golden bear came into my room, <laughs> they're quite rare, they're like grizzlies, but they're, they're sort of blonde, if you like, uh, paler, and they're really rare, um, came into my room and climbed on the bed beside me, so I started reading about symbolism of bears and North American teachings and philosophies, and they were saying that it symbolises a maternal figure, a mother figure, and it's a sign of protection. And I thought, oh, that'll be my mum come and see if I'm okay. But the bear cuddled me all night. It was lovely. It was really nice. It was such a big, imposing, terrible, scary-looking bear. <laughs> It's, in, it's interesting because in a way it's similar with the tiger, like these, these apparently frightening big animals, there's a symbiosis in, in the way you've described the two experiences of something very calming. your mum suffering from depression and I was wondering if that was part of the experience of the loss of her for you. I, I don't know if the two things were connected uh, about the reasons why she died and you don't have to necessarily go into that if you'd want. She was 91 when she passed away, <laughs> but she had suffered from uh, depression most of her life. Katie even had spent two terms and what you would call it these days are a mental hospital where she received electric shock therapy years ago um, when she was really young. She uh, battled with it every day, you know, but yeah, it must have been hard because she, she was the youngest of six sisters and brother, and um, younger brother, and in those days she went away to work young, she lived sort of through the, <laughs> through the war, <laughs> so it was war, you know, and it must have been quite tough, you know, um, and battling with depression, clinical depression, and um, just the things that happened, you know, she met my dad eventually and um, me and brothers and unfortunately one of them passed away 10 weeks before I was born. He was only 18, cerebral hemorrhage, but like I don't think my mum ever got over that as such. Like she was given then the, the sort of grief counselling you'd be given nowadays, you know. So I think she found that really hard to live with. But literally, yeah, it was dementia, Alzheimer's, it wasn't her. It was actually quite a, to see, when you learn about that disease and what it does physiologically to the brain and you see what happens to them and their personality change and you know, see them losing dignity and struggling to do things, you know, like swallowing and I just found death to be a release for her and I felt that, that moment when her heart stops, I just felt this wave come up over me like 
can't even begin to describe how it, how it felt. It was just like a, a, like a like a wave of warmth and light and tingling, and, and I was like, oh yeah, I'm gonna miss her like crazy, you know, breaking my heart. But I just remember feeling what a relief for her. You know, become selfish at times like that. You know, it just felt good to know that she's no more suffering. You know, she's completely at peace. I don't. I think if it wasn't for Robert and the music, I think I'd be in a pretty dark place because we were like that. We were Because when my dad died, she was all we, we, we just had each other. You know. Yeah. If it wasn't for this one <laughs> and the music and having such a, a cathartic distraction, it kind of can help help me cope. Not really other people's music as such. Sometimes there'd be the odd song I would hear just accidentally and I'd be like, oh I can't listen to that, it's gonna be crying. <laughs> but I find like writing my own stuff actually quite a healing process because it kind of made me think about what I wanted to say and convey how I was feeling and maybe hopefully other people could relate to it if it wasn't too cryptic. <laughs> Left to centre, you know. So, yeah, just trying to. I read a lot as well. I do a lot of uh, poetry, William Blake, and Lord Alfred Tennyson, and all that at that time, too. You said in your emails that the two of you have both had experiences with depression. Yeah, I've had two pretty dark episodes of depression. I was on medication for seven years. I wanted to throw myself out the window of a ten-story building, but I didn't. <laughs> I had the window open and I was I was contemplating it, but I didn't because the cat I shared the house with again animals. What is it? <laughs> he looked at me, just gave me this look, and I just instantly felt really guilty because I thought, oh, "Cranky, he's going to look after him the way I do." So that was it. I shut the window and burst into tears and held on to him probably too tightly for his own good. <laughs> I think um, sometimes with the with the depression with the medication, I you know I I just had this. Um, I just didn't want to be. I didn't want to be alive. I didn't want to. I didn't. This is a strange thing. I didn't want to be alive because I didn't want to die because I'm scared to die. Well, I was at the time. I'm scared to die, and it just seems. It, I don't know. It's like a vicious little circle thing. I've had depression since I was a teenager due to things happening in my childhood, you know, the 
environment I grew up in. And yeah, I mean, I, I started writing as well as a way to express what was going on inside, a way to externalise it, and so I could sort of like look at it and understand it myself instead of it being this sort of mess in your head sometimes, you know. That's kind of the way I, I would describe it. But um, yeah, music's always you know, passion and uh, a cathartic process that, you know, that we've discussed already. It's, it can also be, if you want to be a writer, you have to engage with the world. And if you to look at that darkness, you know, can be quite overwhelming sometimes, you know, especially if you don't get the balance right you know, between the light and the dark. You know, I've always said that my brain's my worst enemy, you know, my own worst enemy. And a lot of times it will want to dwell in the dark. You know, I had a friend ask me one time that, you know, are you afraid of losing your creativity because it's your depression part of your creativity? And to be honest, I'd rather just be without the depression. I'm sort of learning to live with it. I mean, I say that because I had a bit of a relapse in January there, like a real proper breakdown. But um, you know, I kind of feel on the rebound from that. And part of that was starting to focus back on our relationship and and the music again and releasing the Tundra album. You know, so it's a kind of double-edged sword. I feel the music and the music industry, for that matter. You know, because a lot of what I was feeling in January was a sense of failure and you know not, not being able to truly make music my career. And you know, it, it depends how you define success. If you can write a good song and you produce big music, is that success or is it X amount of money in the bank? I'm so trying to decide that, you know, but um, at the time I had this overwhelming sense of failure and other things as well, you know, like shame and things like that. Regret for things I've done in the past that haunted me throughout my life, you know, I still haven't quite forgiven myself for it. But yeah, the music's always been there throughout my life, it's always been a sort of a, you know, like a crutch, but like at the same time, in order to examine my own feelings and to examine the world so I can write about it, you're going to be presented with this darkness sometimes, and I think the key is not to let that overwhelm you, but I still haven't figured that out yet. We've released the album, we're trying to generate money to, not to put it into our pockets, but to put it into a cause, you know. We were considering it for ages, you know, we've got bills to pay like anybody else and we thought, look, let's put our money where our mouth is and you know, let's let's turn our music into a form of activism that we can give back something as well, you know. So rather than just us taking the money, we're trying to generate some money so we can then give it to a couple of animal sanctuaries in Scotland, you know. We've both toured extensively in our other bands and so on in our lives and I wouldn't say that we're wary or weary of that but like I think if we're going to do some shows it's got to be something with a bit more meaning and a bit more of a spectacle as opposed to just come and see a band for 25 minutes and then nothing you know. Yeah I don't really want to be playing sort of like uh, some of the music venues on the circuit that you go in people are there just to get drunk you know it's going to be kind of venues or gigs mm -hmm. that hold us a bit of purpose and whether we put them on ourselves or not I don't know part of some boutique festival that has something to say as well, you know. So we're thinking about putting on our own shows mm -hmm. that's got a bit more of an educational thing as well, you know, a bit more of a spectacle. We're thinking about the fringe, you know, something like that, you know. Next year. Yeah. In terms of like like endless gigs or whatever, you know, I think we've both got a bit sick of that to be honest, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's not that we've lost the passion or anything like that, you know, it's just there's so many gigs that you can do and it's, sometimes they're not beneficial, they're actually demoralising Yeah. because um, you don't really get much out of them, you know, and sometimes you're thinking, well, what, what are we doing? Why, yeah. why are we doing this? You know? 
because uh, touring is expensive. Yeah. You know, you don't have a record label behind you or a tour manager behind you, a tour agency or that, you know, pumping money into it. It's an expensive business. You know, even just for us to come down and do a show in London or something, you know, you're talking about 400 quid between train fares or motel <coughs> and uh, things like that. Mm-hmm. Transport, food. <laughs> That's just one show, you know, so... We've wrote a, another sort of B-side at the moment. We're thinking about releasing another single off the album with a right. B-side. Again, just to generate some money so we can put it to the sanctuaries. Yeah. And we're just kind of chipping away in the background. We've got a, we're doing podcasts and certain interviews with certain people. We just became ambassadors for... And an all justice, justice project. project. You know, yeah, so. yeah. We've just been given uh, t-shirts and <laughs> a certificate t-shirt. of philanthropy, oh, and um, yeah. So there's the t-shirt. It's got like a, a monkey and a <laughs> and a lab rat at the top. Yeah. The two that are usually the most abused in animal testing. In animal testing, yeah. yeah. So you know, we're, we're chipping away at certain things. We're trying, we're trying a slightly different approach as opposed to just like playing venues all over the place, whether that's mm-hmm. good or bad for us or not. You know, we're we're trying. To do it a bit more smart, a bit more educational, a bit more sort of activist. There's some slideshows in the background of things as well. We're aiming to do that. We were starting to make a film to accompany Wilderness. However, it's just the amount of footage we've had, we'd have to garner for a, for a 45 minute long album is so much more than we ever anticipated. It's a work so, in progress. Um, yeah, it's kind of being shelved at the moment. But yeah. who's to say we we'll, we'll, we might come back to that at some no, point. But I, I plan to anyway. Yeah, yeah. but I do think um, for live, even just a sort of, uh, I don't want to go all Orwellian, but kind of like have more like a biofeedback, lots of images flashing in the background. So you're not dwelling on something horrific for too long, but it's just enough to, to fit to be synced in time with the with the music, you know, so be quite a quite a dramatic <laughs> uh, show. If if people want to follow you, I know you've got Twitter, you're out pilgrims on Twitter. Mm. How else might they find you? Like, do you have a, a set website? We are on Facebook. Um, I think we're just called Pilgrims. Are we Pilgrims UK? I think Pilgrims. Yeah, there's. I think there's a couple of bands called Pilgrims. You know, so yeah. we, we put UK in it. I think just so. To, just to try and differentiate ourselves. Yeah, I think we're Pilgrims UK. Facebook.com forward slash Pilgrims UK. We have our own YouTube channel and a few videos up there. And we're on, we have, the, we're on Instagram. Yeah. All the downloading so, streaming sites. Yeah, we're on SoundCloud, Bandcamp as well, UK on that. Um, iTunes, Deezer, you know, Amazon. Title, yeah. music's available to buy, you know, all the, or stream, like Spotify. We're up, we're up there now. Thank you so much for your time and uh, thank you. Yeah, great. So I'll leave you now and yeah, enjoy the rest of the thank day. You. Oh. Bye. So softly, you kick in your sleep. I kiss the flame. Soft tumbling hair, free green and flexing smut silken with time. Slide plying hand across your bone and keen skin toward a snake. Centaur, gentle centaur.
Familiar, oh my love, my heart.